Welcome to the Ink to Film podcast. I'm James. And I'm Luke. So we're off this week and uh, we wanted to provide a From the Vault episode, yep. which is something we've done in the past, but just to make sure there's some content out there this week. Uh, this is our Pet Cemetery uh, adaptation adjacent coverage. So on our Patreon feed, we after we did the new Pet Cemetery in 2019, after reading Stephen King's novel, we did the 1989 film just to kind of compare yeah. the two and see see how we felt about it comparing it to the source material and the new movie well and i guess it's not even really adaptation adjacent it's uh it's just another adaptation of it <laughs> it's an That's alternate true, adaptation yeah. which we do sometimes i guess yeah it's it's really interesting because you know this is the one i had seen obviously the 2019 was brand new when we saw it mm-hmm. and i remember it scaring me you know i remember it like it being a movie that scared me because i saw it when I was kind of younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to revisit and then to, you know, sort of, sort of pick it apart. Cause I think it's safe to say, I don't want to speak for our guest on our pet cemetery 2019 episode, but Sarah Tantlinger was, was our guest. And Luke and I, I think all three of us t- weren't really huge fans of the new one. Oh no, so we weren't. To, I, I've seen yeah. her rail against it on, on social media. So I think it's safe to say Sarah was not a fan. Right. So to be able to look back at the the other pet cemetery that was pretty successful, uh, it was interesting and, you know, not perfect, but that's what yeah. this conversation is going to be about here in a yeah. second. I mean, we, I, w- I don't want to like undersell our coverage. We were both mixed. Like we had some things we did like about it. It wasn't complete shit. Um, right. So, I mean, I think it's still an interesting episode. Uh, for this one, I had never seen this 80s version, which I know is like a classic for so many people. So I remember I had a lot of fun with it. And I think that comes across in this episode. I remember this being a fun one to record. So... Um, it's, it's cool too, because it also sort of completes our coverage of Pet Cemetery. Um, you know what I mean? Like this is everything now we had that episode with, with Sarah, that was a lot of fun. And then we did the two episodes on the book where I, if you remember, I got into some sort of like personal stuff about my mother and how she was a huge King fan and how like reading Stephen King makes me feel like closer to her in some ways. Um, which is, which is something that I stand by and is something that I do enjoy about covering King. So if you want to hear more about that. Uh, check out those book episodes because um, I had a lot of fun with those. This was an episode we recorded over a year ago. Um, so if you're <laughs> interested in, in you know, getting that coverage a little sooner, check out our Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you getting it now. Um, we will be back next week with The Princess Bride by William Goldman. And then we'll be covering the film the following week. Um, book I've never read. I think a book you've never read. So I'm excited to see like what the basis was for that sort of iconic film. Um, and then when we'll get to tackle that too, which will be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, here's Pet Cemetery. You want to know how I got these scars from a little tiny baby? <laughs> Those were the perfect oh, Joker well, scars, right? Yeah. Did you see when he lifted the when he lifted the blanket though? How fucked up his face was. Yeah, dude. His it looked lip, like his, his entire lip like lower gone. lip had been chewed off. Yeah. Can I get your best little gauge? Now I want to play with you impression. I just want to hear it. <laughs> oh, God. Let's hear um, it. Now I want to play with you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, man. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I think that's the main thing to, that I took away, too. Is it's just fun. It's it's of its time. Yeah. And it's a little campy now, but, I mean, you Definitely. can see kind of where the scares came from when, when I was younger, at least. Yeah. I think something about Stranger Things... Like, I already feel, I already felt nostalgic for the 80s and for, like, 80s horror and 80s, 80s like, movies. But I think Stranger Stranger Things has sort of activated, like, an even stronger nostalgia for me. 
because ne- watching that like it was hitting all the same buttons that I get watching Stranger Things in a weird way. Like it was it was very nostalgic for me, even though I'd never seen the movie before. Um, I realized mm-hmm. that like I think I just saw a scene from this movie. Like almost none of it was familiar. Um, so okay. it it was uh it was cool and it was it was a good way to start my start my day. <laughs> I watched it pretty early. Yes, we both just watched it, so it's pretty fresh. Right. Um, so w- just to address it, we're we're talking about Pet Cemetery, the 1989 version. So we covered. Right. We obviously, we covered. I mean, it's probably in the title. <laughs> yeah, it's in the title. But we covered the new 2019 film in our in our actual feed with Sarah Tantlinger, which was was so much fun. Yeah, it's a great episode. Yeah, it was, and it's it's fun to kind of flip back around. Watching this, I was like, wow, they just this, this was like fairly close to a straight Stephen King novel adaptation. I, there's some deviation, but it's like almost yeah. all right there. And then I felt like the new movie just like made a lot of decisions in the opposite direction that that yeah. pulled it away from. Uh, yeah, it was. I don't know. It's 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 really cool to see how that movie progressed and and got further away from Stephen King's original work by watching this one. I agree, man. I uh, I remember reading a lot of stuff leading up to the new one, and I was I, I got the impression that they they were saying this new one is like a more faithful adaptation, implying that the original so really wasn't. But mm-hmm. I disagree. The, the original was actually pretty faithful. Um, I think sometimes to a, to a fault, fault, you know. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, because because it was too similar in, and it felt like they were just hitting beats. Felt like they were hitting story beats without really bringing putting their own spin on it. And that is something that I would say is like the direction and some of the, and it, maybe it's something to do with the time. But it did kind of feel like if you've ever watched like a Lifetime movie to me. Like yeah. A lot of it felt very like, here's this beat, here's this beat, here's this beat, and we're going to, whatever shots we, you know, deem necessary at that time. Like, what I'm trying to say is it's not all that creative in terms of in terms of telling a story with visuals, but I think it's just like a 1989 Pet Cemetery Stephen King written. Right. It was, uh, I think what you're adaptation. saying is it had sort of a, like a workman-like cinematography to it. Like, it was very like, we got a story to tell, we're going to tell it. And, right. you know, we're going to do it in sort of a straightforward way. And, and I think you do get a few like there's a few times where Lewis Creed is sort of like losing his shit. And he, I'm thinking in particular when he walks into Judd's house at the end and it, and it looks all like rotten and, and covered in moss and like mm-hmm. grave dirt and stuff. And I, think, I like that. You know, there was some interesting shots there to try and like capture that nightmare feel. It was also the same when um, Rachel had her nightmare about uh, Zelda. And I remember the all the like all the paintings were askew and pictures were askew and in, in her in the dream version of the house and it felt a little more uh, out there and I think they captured that with how it was shot. But for the most part, I agree. Um, there there was some I thought really good sort of scene setting um, nature almost nature shots. I don't know what you would call it. Like when they're out having the picnic and you can see the the lake beyond and the exterior shots of the house and. I just think this the uh, the setting, um, not necessarily the set because that was probably shot elsewhere when they were inside the house, but um, the exterior of the house and like the landscape surrounding it felt a lot more like Maine to me, and that was something mm-hmm. that I felt like we we both said was kind of missing in the new one. It felt like it could be anywhere, whereas this felt specific to Maine to me. And mm-hmm. um, even if it wasn't, it felt like New England in, in the right way. And and I could also kind of see the appeal of like why a family would move out there. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, I like that part of it. Speaking of parts that I that I definitely like, I think that 
although it's not quite to the extent of the the King novel, the, I feel like the character interactions and specifically Judd and Lewis are it's much more well explored, and I think that it's much more believable. And across the board, I think that I cared about the characters a lot more in this version than I did the new twenty nineteen movie. I actually think it might be interesting to go down the line for the characters and kind of say like maybe just like who we like better, which version we like better and, and why. Okay. Let's do that real quick. You want to do it right yeah. now? All right. So let's start with, uh, let's start with Judd. I think Judd's an interesting place to start. Cause we had, um, the great John Lithgow on the new one. And, uh, unfortunately we both felt like he was a little bit wasted in this role. Like he could have done more. And this, this was a very different Judd Crandall. We got, um, much more similar to the book, but I think also a little different, um, what, what was your take on him? Uh, so Fred Gwynn plays Judd in this version, and I think this is a much better representation of what Judd is supposed to be. I think he's... Yeah. The Judd, as much as I love John Lithgow, I feel like he was wasted in the new movie, and I just would have loved to have seen him really get some material like this that, that Fred Gwynn got. It did. It did. It was like they were both... Um, about it, both Judd and the neighbor, I forget her name. She was an added character too, which is kind of an interesting difference there. I believe you're saying like she, the the sitter, like the the. She, she was. was an, I thought she was another stuff. neighbor who like hung herself. Didn't no, she? Live she I think she was like she was like working. I think she was like working for them, like cleaning and washing the kids and stuff. Oh, okay. I guess I misunderstood. There. Anyway, she was an added character. She wasn't in the book that I remember. Yeah, I think her name's Missy Dandridge. Yeah, or she didn't have the same role in the book. If, if so. Both of them have that sort of main accent, that mainer accent, but I think both of them are putting it on for the character. And so on one hand, I liked the attempt to add some authenticity, but on the other hand, I don't think either of them did a great job with it. Um, I think Judd's mm-hmm. was a little better, but even his was a little off to me, just as someone who has grown up and, and been around people who have that accent, it wasn't very natural. Um, mm-hmm. that's not something I would notice for most accents probably just because I haven't had as much experience with them. But to me, it did kind of stand out. I, I think Judd clearly is the one that I like more, but it, so uh, most of the other actors in this film are pretty hit or miss for me. Yeah. Um, other than I would say, I actually thought Rachel was not bad in this film. Uh, well, let's, let's go down the, let's go to the line. So right now we're, we're both, we both like Judd in this version better, right? Um, I, I don't know if necessarily the actor was better, but the character was better. Um, right, it yeah. would have been interesting in an alternate universe to see John Lithgow play a character who's more like this, right? Like a little bit more colorful. Um, I don't know what he would have done with it. it would have been interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's go down. Let's go. Uh, Lewis, Lewis Creed, I think is a, is a big one to talk about because, you know, you go ahead. So I don't really, uh, know if this is controversial or not, but I actually think that I prefer the new Lewis Creed because this one he was probably the most flat actor to me in this movie there were moments where i where i felt like he shined through but i i i think you replace him and this movie is a lot better you have a different actor play him in this movie and it's better i agree he had a real flat i think flat is the right way to call it his performance uh was often felt weird for that reason i i do think there were moments uh especially with the family and, and around his kids that that I believed him as a person. I was like, this is a real person and I can get behind him. Um, and, but overall, I think I agree as much as I, I wasn't a big fan of either portrayal of Lewis. I think I, I guess I'll, I'll give it to the new, to the remake. The yeah. I think the, another reason for the remake, I, I really felt like I understood him more as a character, at least in terms of like, he's a doctor and he cares about his family very deeply. Whereas this, this, and maybe this was by design, but this Lewis was like removed and weird and, I don't really know what he was going for, but most of the time it didn't really work for me. 
I did like that he um, actually had a conversation with uh, Pascal, the friendly ghost, um, about um, about why he was going to do it. Like he's like, I'll get Gage, and then I'll you know, no one will ever have to know. And if he comes back weird, I'll, I'll you know, I'll put him down and all this stuff. And that was something right out of the book, and and I felt like it was missing in the new one. Um, because it was kind of inexplicable, like why he was doing the things he was doing. And it seemed like on the surface, like, why would you ever try this? This is going to be bad. But he didn't, he wasn't telling Pascal in the book, right? Because something I was going to bring up was some, was no, some he was having a, it inter, was like an internal inter, monologue. Yeah. Inner monologue. Yeah. So let's jump to Pascal since we were just talking about him. Yeah. Pascal, the friendly ghost. That's what I call him for this movie. <laughs> Pascal, the friendly ghost. What do you, what do you, let's, let's have you start this one. Who do you I mean, I think, I think the character was, was off in both, um, but maybe better in this one, but only better, only better in the sense of like, how are you wa- judging this movie? <laughs> because right. I, a movie that was like a fun, campy, like don't really take it seriously to have fun with it kind of movie. I think he was good. You know, he was, he was over the top. He was popping in and out. He was, he was having these like comical conversations with people uh, with Rachel in particular, and she couldn't hear him. He was in the freaking air, air uh, the airplane at one point, like sitting behind her, smiling at her. I yeah. don't know. He was he was goofy and like it worked in the in a, in a fun movie sort of way. Um, but in a serious movie, I don't know if that's the right way to play it. it. In this movie, I think it toes that line of like, is it supposed to be taken seriously or is it supposed to just be funny? Um, and in the new one, it, it, the character was just bizarre. Didn't really play this. I mean, tried to play the same role, but they didn't really develop it enough. And and uh, I think definitely missed in the new one. So I, I guess I got to give it to the old one. My memory of the the new v- movie, Pascal in the new movie, is I, I just remember like him, the f- one scene that he's in, and then maybe he pops up one other time or two other times. Yeah, but he's he's haunting like Ellie later. Yeah, and like he doesn't, he's not really given much to do uh, in that way. But this one, I think, in, in the '89 version, is clearly just comic relief. Like he's the this is like a bloody gory movie, and he's just like I think they started to lean into that camp a little bit. I think they realized that. That, that this is like let's have a laugh here and like i mean him sitting on the yeah. airplane was just funny it just was uh because yeah. it's so random and he's like smiling at people oh and um, him like r- riding in the truck and stuff like when he drives away in it and i don't know i just thought it was funny it, it was it's like the way he interacted with the real world was was silly yeah and it does really toe, toe that line though like you're saying because in that moment when he's in the truck he, he it's funny that he's in there and he's she's like talking to him but not talking to him when he when she says like somebody something about like it'll be all right and he's like i don't think it will be and that's like pretty haunting to to be like kind of his last thing where you're yeah. just like damn maybe it won't be so i i prefer the the this 1989 pascal yeah i uh, i'm with you but let's talk let's talk rachel now so for rachel for me um i actually think i like both but i'm gonna give it to um, the newer movie because we talked about the reasons in our in our pet cemetery 2019 coverage she was the best part to me and i just think that she was able to do a lot with that character and deal with some of the grief of zelda and and i, I don't know i liked how she interacted with ellie even though i didn't really love the ellie stuff either yeah i mean i appreciated all the big giant shoulder pads that she was wearing throughout this movie but <laughs> yeah. um otherwise I, I have to give it to the new one too it was uh that was a highlight of the of the new adaptation I think that that actor was really, really good. And this one, she was OK. Um, nothing, nothing really to complain about, but um, not not as much of a standout performance. Mm-hmm. All right, Ellie. 
I there she I mean it was just she was given so much more in the new movie it's kind of a tough one. You get how do they how do you feel about how they treated the character if not just necessarily the performance? You you could talk about both. I like I like what she was given to do. Obviously the other one there's a lot more to compare kind of look at and and see what we thought of her performance. I thought that she was pretty good in the new movie and she was she was good at being creepy in a, in a couple scenes and I really liked that. Um you know, she wasn't given nearly as, enough, as much to do in this movie, but as a child actor, I think she did a pretty good job in this 89 version. Uh, the only moment that I really felt like I didn't get a ton of emotion from her was when she was dealing with the dealing with the death of Gage. It just didn't feel like she was really invested in that emotion of, of grief or yeah. having just I lost her brother. they were trying to play it like she maybe she didn't understand it. Right. Which I think does kind of make sense. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So I guess I guess to to answer it, I would just say that I prefer I prefer new Ellie, I guess. Although I and I, with the caveat that I don't really love everything they did with her character. Okay, uh, yeah, I prefer new Ellie as well, and and I agree. I didn't like I didn't like. I mean, I, I, on paper, I like the change. Um, I I don't necessarily like all the ways it was handled, um, which we talk about in depth in our movie episode, um, but. For me, that the the actor did a better job, um, the child actor, and uh, this this Ellie came off as more bratty at times, less um, less likable. Not that she wasn't likable at all, but I, I just I remember feeling like a strong affection for the Ellie in the new one, mm-hmm. um, and it just wasn't quite there uh, in this version. And then yeah, I mean, um, not not as much of a. I don't know. I, I guess I had a lot of empathy for Ellie in the book uh, with what she went through. But uh, this 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 movie version, I didn't really feel a lot of empathy for the character at all. So, um, yeah, I'll give it to new one. All right. Let's do Gage. And that'll be that'll be where we end our, our character breakdown. Um, I have two. Well, I have two more that, that'll be quick ones that we can just give an answer to. But all right. With as far as Gage, I think Gage, the original here is is my favorite. I think that although it is really campy and cheesy at times, it's it, he's just such a like you can see them directing him off screen. And he actually like delivers some pretty scary stuff. And it's creepy when he's like the stuff that they gave him to say. And when he's like, no fair at the end. And he like he's like falling over. Uh, I don't know. I, it worked for yeah. me and, and like a campy fun horror way. Yeah, he was fun. I mean, he had a lot more to do and um, was definitely silly, though. Like you can't I, I was some of the biggest laughs I got during the movie were during the gauge scenes in the end, like um, like when he was going full demon. Oh, particularly when he flies out of the attic. Yeah. <laughs> Are we supposed to believe that he stabbed the hell out of Rachel and then hung her and set like a trap? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's bizarre because um, the hanging to me was like a clear callback to to the uh, Dandridge, the Missy other Dandridge. character we were talking. Yeah. About. Yeah. yeah. Um, why? I don't know. <laughs> but that's what we got. Um, and then, yeah, I, I don't I guess they didn't show her face. But, you know, we learned later they got pretty fucked up. Um, but yeah, yeah. Gage flying out of the attic. The him wrestling with Lewis was just so comical. Um, it was wild. It's like it's, it's, he's holding a baby doll. He's like flipping around with a baby yeah. doll in his hands. <laughs> it reminded me of Chucky. Uh, you know, yeah. I, it was the immediate go to. Now, I don't know when the original Chucky came out, but this was 89. So I feel like it probably predated this, right? I think Child's Play came out in the 90s, but I'm going to look it up right now. Ooh, the original Child's Play came out in 1988. Okay, so interesting. I, I wonder if that was too close for it to have affected it or not. But to me, that was very reminiscent of Chucky and and just him flying around the stuff he was saying. Even this, the kind of like the scar he had on his face was kind of reminiscent of Chucky to me. 
Um, obviously, this isn't a doll, but an actual child. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It was uh, Gage was fun, and and I enjoyed it in in the way that I was watching this movie, which is this like fun campy thing, and and he worked for that right. really well. All right, two quick ones. Um, first one, which church do you prefer? God, that's hard. It's actually hard, right? Because they were both very good. Yeah. Uh, um, I think maybe the new one, but I don't have great great reasons as to why. Um, mm-hmm. I did like that we actually got a scene where Lewis, uh, you know, euthanizes uh, Church, which was really was convincing. Brutal, right? Um, that was awful. I thought that they, they may have drugged the cat. I don't know how they got that other than actually drugging a cat. If, I felt like they may was, have. I was pretty sure that was a real cat, not yeah. when it was like, you know what I mean? There's a couple things in this movie that I, I'm i like, they, they either did some special effects mastery back then or people were actually taking hits like... There's one point when Lewis like rolls out of bed and hits his head on the dresser on like the bedside table and oh, he yeah. took that hit. That was re- that couldn't have been fake. Um so when he did that, he didn't um the character didn't like touch his head and act like, "Oh, I hit my head," which I think would have been part of the scene had it been intended. Right. So I think what actually happened was it was an accident and then he tried to play it off like it didn't happen. Um but it it worked for the scene now. Yeah. And then there's there's two other ones which are on a child, so this will be interesting to think about is when he when he hits him with the needle, I'm hoping the needle was like retractable and was like going back into the needle. Yeah, I assume so. Because it I, when I when I was looking at it, I was like, ooh, that that couldn't have been real, obviously. But the other one is yeah, as they he, get they can be really they can do really convincing stuff with needles though. That's some, oh, yeah. that's something that I've seen a lot in movies. I'm sure it know? goes back into it. I, I just thought thought that I would mention that one looking pretty realistic. And then the other one is yeah. when when Gage is like stumbling and he falls back he falls into a wall and hits his head against a wall yeah i saw that too i wasn't sure i was like did they speed that up to make it look harsher than it was or i don't know but yeah you're right that that actually looked pretty it was pretty convincing and i I don't know if that was a kid hitting his head that's pretty messed up yeah i i uh i pulled up the trivia on imdb to see if there was any anything that talked about stuff like that and i didn't see anything the only thing that came up on there that was of note that i saw was uh people pointing out that there was no blood when gage slashes judd's mouth and then also when he slashes his like achilles mm-hmm. like both times is are bloodless and kind of, which is kind of weird well what about uh, so, yeah, i mean I, I can feel that speaking of blood uh the the actual gage getting hit by the car getting hit by the giant truck yeah the, the shoe in slow motion is is iconic at this point like i think that that might be the yeah. most memorable scene from the movie absolutely and and that was something i have in my notes here it, this movie nailed the heart of the story even with it being definitely more turned up to 11 and over the top for the for the film then then you know like if you want to have a serious uh actually scary um in my opinion version of the story it's the book absolutely all the way and it's more so than the new one more so than this but this adaptation at least captured the heart of it which was the 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 horror of Lewis running after his son and not quite getting there in time and that's like literally put on screen, and I think it, it worked way better than the the sort of misdirect that they did in the new in the new version. Yeah. So I have one more character that we need to talk about real quick uh, in terms of changes, and okay. I wanted to know which Zelda you preferred. Oh, <laughs> um, I I got to give it to New Zelda. This this old Zelda was to me clearly an adult man in a yeah. wig, <laughs> and it was very weird for me to like a to think of this as supposed to be a young girl it just didn't look right and and um it was it was you know there was definitely creepy the lines were okay but um i think i was too thrown off by the the 
pretty big disparity in what I was seeing and what I think I was supposed to be seeing. Right. I uh, this was one of the things that really fucked me up as a kid is the Zelda stuff. So I got to give it to yeah. I got to give it to 1989 Zelda. The and it is a man. Um, and I think I read something about how the director felt that there was something about having a man look like a woman that was that was like to that was supposed to be more unsettling and and like make you feel like there's something going on. Um, yeah, it sounds a little transphobic to me, but okay. I know, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but it was 1989, yeah. And, but yeah, that, yeah, so that's apparently the reason for it. But in terms of just the creepiness factor, I, I just, I remembered this was probably the thing that freaked me out the most as a kid was just the, yeah. I'm gonna twist your back and and I'm coming for you, like all that stuff. Um, it so was I, effective, and I can see as a kid like not understanding. Or not like you know what I mean? Like you're you. I feel like as a kid, you believe the things you're seeing on screen more, right? Right. You just you don't argue with them. You're like, that's a monster. That's a thing. Like I totally believe it, one hundred percent. You know what I mean? I don't see that there's a man in a suit or whatever. We, you know, an aliens on screen. Like you believe it's an alien, and, and that's just how it works when you're a kid. And I think one day we'll cover Exorcist, but the Exorcist, but yeah, the the Exorcist had a similar effect on me. Like kind of just this like as it, I saw it pretty young and I just was like, this is real and it's super scary and this demon, it's just, yeah. I, I, I think feel like that's a really well-regarded movie actually that a lot of people do say is to this day one of the more frightening movies they've ever seen. So for sure. yeah, I, I absolutely think we're going to cover it. I actually own the book because I was so certain we're going to cover it eventually. I have the book on my shelf, so I'm ready nice. whenever we get to it. <laughs> so before we move on to into other stuff, um, I did want to talk about the filmmaker really quick. Her name is Mary Lambert, and so she she's had a pretty long career before and after this. She kind of got her start in okay. short videos and music videos. Um, she's done some short videos and music videos for names like Madonna, uh, Janet Jackson, Sting, and Motley Crue. So cool. those are some pretty big names to have done some done some directing for. And then she directed. I think she had one feature before this, and then directed Pet Cemetery, and then eventually went on to direct Pet Cemetery too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so she, she... That would be another fun bonus episode we could do one day, maybe. Yeah, That'll maybe. be up for vote, I think. Maybe I'll add it to the polls when I'm asking what people want us to... I don't know, maybe people are, are done with Pet Cemetery at this point, but... Yeah, maybe we let uh, a lot... Pet Cemetery too. I, I, I'm curious, because... I haven't seen it. You know, all no... versions of this story terminate here, so I'm curious what a Pet Cemetery 2 looks like. I have no idea. I guess just somebody else buries something, but uh, we'll have to get to that one day. <laughs> And she, so she also worked on some SNL shorts, and more recently, she's directed episodes of the TV shows Arrow and Blacklist. Okay, cool. So she's had a pretty long career. I mean, she's been working nice. for twenty or thirty, I guess thirty four, thirty or forty years now. So yeah, we're this is going to be this is the thirtieth anniversary of this movie, right? Right, and she was working before that, so I'd say yeah, like safely thirty five years. So pretty pretty uh, solid career. Nice. Um, there's a couple of just random scenes I want to talk about um, that just jumped out at me. Uh, one of them was the rat in the bathtub. Yeah, um, disgusting. Made me laugh out loud because it was so obvious that there was a person standing by the bathtub who just tossed that in. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I felt like you could see the hand. I don't know if you, I didn't like freeze frame it to see, but it was so clearly the trajectory of the rat coming into the tub was so clearly someone standing there and just went, Dustin. I think it was just the, the the cat just took it and underhand threw it into the into the tub. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, because like a cat pushing a rat in should should fall like plop in a different way, come in straight. But no, it was like an underhanded toss, like you said. It was right. it was it was quite funny to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, the uh, oh, so what, what that cat carrier? I've never seen a cat carrier like that. I, when I first saw it, I'm like, why is the cat in like a plastic box? What is happening to this cat right now? <laughs> yeah, it was so bizarre. It felt like one of those things that happened in like the late 80s, early 90s, where it was like supposed to be futuristic, right? In a weird way, it may have then, also just been like never... invented for the movie so you could get a better look at the cat throughout the movie. Maybe that's true. I wonder, I don't know though. I, I, it looked cool. Like, I, I can yeah. see why someone would have it. Well, have you seen people with the backpacks? People will take their cats and backpacks and they have like a dome on the on the back of it so the cat can like look out of it. Kind of remind me of, of that. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I believe you, though. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty funny. funny. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the pet cemetery and the, the differences and, and maybe even the blue light beyond and how creepy that stuff was. Yeah, the pet cemetery in this was uh was good. I mean, I actually think I liked it better. I liked opening the movie with it. I think that was a that was a smart way to 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 set the tone uh, of the film. And then, yeah, the 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 space beyond the deadfall, uh, it worked for me. And it's funny because, as much as we actually had a black shape shift in the darkness, and we had mention of a Wendigo in the new one, um. In this old one, we didn't get any of that, but we did get some weird shit. Like, we got the glowing deadfall. We got that face come out of the rocks later. What was that? Uh, we had what, sounds. Can you tell me what we that had was? had a tree fall over. Oh, I have no idea what it was. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, man. I think um, they don't do anything to explain why all this shit is weird and why it is like it is. Yeah. But it does actually leave you with sort of that, like, unknowable horror right. sense from the book. At least better than in the new one, because we both felt like that was lacking in the new one. Yeah, that f- it felt like the place beyond was was a weird place where crazy shit was happening that you can't understand. Yeah, and I think I like that too. Yeah, sometimes I feel like people want answers, and the other times it's best left unanswered. Uh, that face was just bonkers. I have no idea what that. It looked like Judd, but I don't know if it actually. I I, I rewound and watched it twice because I was very curious to see if it was Judd, uh-huh. but I don't think it was. It just kind of looked like him. I rewound it as well because I wanted to see it again. I, I still couldn't tell you. I know it was a guy's face. That's all I know. I think the blue light is really effective. It looks just so creepy. And that's another iconic, I think, shot. And, and something that I remembered was just the place beyond. Yeah. I think that in both movies, the actual pet cemetery, the first part, looks really like creepy. And, and I think that they did a good job yeah. with it. Um, but the green screen weird on top of a mountain on the in the new movie didn't work nearly as well to me as, as kind of those... those uh, what are they like cairns on top those rock piles also yeah. all creating like a symbol um it, looked, it felt like a real place right in, in a way that the new one didn't yeah but you know something else that i realized that we didn't get in this version which we kind of got in the new movie and definitely got in the book was the pull i didn't really get any sense that there was like a pull that was bringing you back to the to the cemetery it didn't really i just don't think it was really established maybe it was just a thread line they wanted to leave kind of go away they felt it was unnecessary because there was just wasn't in this movie yeah there's nothing really said about oh something's pulling me back or or there wasn't really I, a sense of like hypnotizing i, I feel like there was there was a, didn't victor pascal say something about it at one point and and then judd said something about like said something about that place killed your son and and through me like i killed your son and and all that i don't know i guess it was it was sort of subtextual or maybe like i was bringing book knowledge in but I, I was feeling it in this movie, but yeah, like I said, I might have just been bringing in prior knowledge. Yeah, no, I, I just didn't feel it quite as much. So I got one I want to talk about. How about when uh, when Gage has a top hat and a cane on for some reason? Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> that also felt like something. I feel like there was a scene that set that up that they cut and was left on like the cutting room floor. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe. Because it just was, it was so out of nowhere. So out of nowhere. It, just, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it was really bizarre. 
but I kind of loved it. Yeah. Like I said, I, at that point, I was just bought into this zany movie, you know? Right. Um, I wasn't looking for, like, real real scares. I can see this movie being disturbing, though, you know? Uh, absolutely. Um, but then, like, yeah, every time like when he's on the phone, you just hear, like, skittering and laughing and skittering and laughing and skittering and laughing. And I'm like, is where is Gage supposed to be? Is he, like, crawling on the roof? Like, what is happening right now? Um, it was silly, but but fun. Yep. Uh, the final scene is genuinely like stomach turning. Gross. This is the this fucked. And this was it. This this and and Zelda and the shoe flipping over after the wreck. Those are the three uh, moments that just fucked me up. Yeah, absolutely. You know the 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 fluid just pours out of the eye, and then he goes in for this like open mouth French kiss, and it was so good. Like it's such a disturbing moment, way over the top. Um, and 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 sits with you after after it's done like you're like oh as you're watching the like credits roll you're like just thinking about how gross that was and then and then um honestly i didn't need uh rachel reaching for the knife i i think that was like the perfect moment to end it on was just the kiss yeah and it's actually like more disturbing to think like what is happening after this right is he because just the okay knife says now? like this yeah. ends with him dying it's you know what i mean whereas whereas the other one's like maybe it goes on and they live in this house together and make out while she looks like this and continues to rot or something yeah i don't know gnarly just the there's like pus and yellow and fluid it's, oh yeah oh god yeah Awful. she didn't look like she had just died like he said but um uh <laughs> Man, that was good. That was a good, good touch. I wasn't expecting it because it wasn't in the book. You know, we didn't, we didn't see the, you know, see Rachel. We just got the impression of Rachel being, being dead. Um, so I liked it. It was a nice addition. So man, I, I just had a lot of fun with this movie. Is my overall, my overall thoughts. Um, I, I enjoyed it more than the remake. I can see why a lot of people. I'm, I'm in, a, I'm in a couple of Facebook groups for Stephen King, and, um, you know, there's a lot of camps. There's people who genuinely love the new one. There's a lot of people who you know, are huge fans of the book, didn't like the new one. But then there's, there is a camp of people who, who were kind of upset about the new one and why did they remake the original? The original is a classic, blah, blah, blah. And I agree with that in the sense that like, this was a campy fun version of this story. I, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the scariest movie to me as an adult. Um, but uh, I can see why people like it. I totally agree with you. I think I said it in our other coverage. I think that Hollywood's too greedy for us to not to see another version of this movie again at some time. So I think one day we might see the adaptation of this movie that that the book really calls for. Um, this wasn't, you know, this is fun, but I don't think it really captured everything that King intended. So I don't know. I I, I had fun with it though, and and un until then, this is like you said, the best version of this. Yeah, this is the best adaptation currently. <laughs> I did have one more thing yeah, I wanted to talk uh, about that I just thought about. Um, so Stephen okay. King was in the movie, which we haven't had a cameo yeah. from Stephen King in any oh, yeah, of his other movies. And I just thought it's interesting to mention that he's in it. And I did want to say one last time at the, here at the very end that he, his involvement was really heavy in this. He wrote the screenplay. So, um, you know, his fingerprints are all over it. So that's something else to think really? about. That's fun. I can see that because I, I, I feel like whenever King writes adaptations for his own books, and this will be interesting to track as we, as we probably will cover some more stuff that he wrote, um, he tends to lean more into that campy side of horror when he puts it on the screen, right. which is funny because he has that really subtle, like creepy horror touch in the books usually. But when he puts it on screen, it's like he goes for the gross, gross out. He goes for the over the top scene i think that's something yeah and that. that's something maybe psychologically to think about with what people want from movies or what people did want from movies when they were being adapted then because it's like i think for the most part back then people wanted to leave ha either having like a 
you gross like like crazy gross out or like some sort of really happy ending or something something they haven't seen before so i think that he was like trying to get into that maybe a little bit that's true and and you know that final scene is like we're gonna give them something to talk about as they're walking out of the theater with that final scene and that's the main thing is like a lot of filmmakers will say like that last moment is very important because that's what people are talking about the first thing they talk about when they walk out is the end yeah uh, that was a cool one, man. That was an easy watch for me. I enjoyed it. I'm glad we got to talk about it. And I hope our patrons enjoyed that coverage. Uh, I know it's a little shorter, but that's how we do these bonus episodes. All right. And until next time. Thanks for listening.